off the ball. It's actually quite an ugly game um, from spectator's point of view, but I think that the whole of Ireland doesn't really care. <laughs> Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Now then, you're very welcome along. So off the ball is coming at you on this Sunday afternoon. Was, of course, supposed to be a Premier League double header, but football right across the UK postponed in light of the Queen's passing. Still TBC what it means for next weekend. In the meantime, we have plenty on the menu. Sunday paper review coming your way in 15, 20 minutes or so. Conor McKeown of The Independent is with us and Kleena O'Connor as well. All-Ireland willing goalkeeper with Dublin and All-Star are now uh, making her way in the coaching world. We'll be going through the Sunday papers. Also today, Brian O'Driscoll was on the show during the week uh, talking about navigating retirement and the difficulties therein. We will play that interview between four and five. And then at five o'clock, it is a Golf Weekly takeover. Myself, Peter Laurie and Fionn Davenport, as you might imagine, have lots to discuss. And also, looking forward to this, Brian Kerr, Kenny Cunningham, they were due to be on the aforementioned Premier League commentaries. So we phoned them up and said, uh, lads, we know for a fact you're available, so you pretty much have to come in. So we have Care and Cunningham in studio talking football for an hour between three and four live. There is a good chance I will not speak after asking the first question. No harm, says you. Arthur Odillo. How are you, Joel? 53106 is the text number you'll get us. Add off the ball on Twitter as well. Aidan Delaney with us in uh, just a moment to run us through all the uh, goings on in the sporting world. Aidan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. On the uh, fixture situation, by the way, uh, looking at the papers, I mean, certainly uh, lots of football figures are uh, unhappy that football took a break this week. Gary Neville and Peter Crouch and various others were tweeting as much. Gary Lineker across the weekend. Uh, the potentially uh, tricky aspect from a football point of view is that with the funeral now fixed for Monday the 19th of September, there is a question mark as well over next weekend's fixtures, not so much out of respect, but just due to sheer logistics and uh, what will be going on in London in the build up to Monday's funeral. So, for instance, uh, Frank Kent here in the uh, Mail on Sunday is saying that decisions will be made on a fixture by fixture basis. Depends really on policing. So Millwall, for instance, they come out and said that their game against Blackpool on Saturday is absolutely uh, going ahead. From Premier League point of view, I don't know, is is Saturday or Sunday more likely to be in danger? Presumably Sunday, given it's on the eve of the funeral. But on Saturday in London, Spurs take on Leicester half past five. The Sunday's games have Brentford against Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea-Liverpool half past four, obviously in the TV slot. The other two games on Sunday, Man United against Leeds in Manchester and then in Liverpool, Everton host West Ham. You would think they will be okay, but then, I don't know, maybe... uh, police around the country are being drafted into London which is going to be effectively as full as it's ever been. I suspect Man United Leeds as well would uh, require a fairly severe police I mean contingent you'd think Mm -hmm. I'd be fascinated it's very hard with these things like I wonder how many avail how how many police owner do you have to have at a game a Premier League game Depends on the game there's different categories I suppose it depends on the stadium as well the amount of people that you're trying to corral Yeah so that's where one of the reasons uh, various figures have said well it was a mistake to cancel this weekend because if next weekend goes as well this already condensed schedule becomes all the more condensed so um, uh, we shall see let's bring people up to speed on what's going on in the world before we start the Sunday paper review 
and at Wentworth both McElroy and Larry are in with big chances Yeah so we'll start with McElroy he says he wants to finish his season as well as he possibly can he's in contention on 11 under par going into the final round of the BMW PGA Championship he's just a shot behind the joint leaders Victor Hovland and Soren Kjelsen at Wentworth and the former world number one says there are scores out there despite the weather I thought I played okay um as you said, the, 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 the rain was on and off all day and that made it a little tricky. Umbrellas up, umbrellas down, wicker on, wicker off. Um, but the course, I mean, it's so soft, it's so receptive. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, it's target practice out there. If you can get the ball in the fairway, you've got the ball in your hand. You know, it, it's preferred lies, so you can, you can go low. Um, I felt four under was pretty pedestrian. I, felt, I didn't really do a lot right. I didn't do a lot wrong, but... Um, you know, I, I definitely feel the course is, is going to be very gettable for the, the rest of the week. So he's just back out for his final round. As you mentioned, Shane Lowry also still in contention. He's just a shot further back. He's also getting his Sunday underway. Uh, GMAC Gray McDowell has finished with a third and final round of 69. That's his second in a row to end the week on seven under par. He's currently in a tie for 40th place as things stand. Jonathan Caldwell missed the cut last night on one under. The event will end after the 54 holes this evening. That's after that curtailed first round owing to the Queen. Uh, the Queen's death on Thursday of course Yeah there are good scores out there so Patrick Reed started early in the day he's on the 15th as we speak but he is 7 under for his round through 14 holes so definitely a good score out there this afternoon incidentally he's done a big interview in the Sunday Times we'll come to it in the Sunday paper review where uh, frankly he's taken shots at everybody he can take shots at including Rory McIlroy actually he thinks uh, Rory Rory making uh, all these types of comments is insulting You'll know that. Does he have a point? Is he vic- is he overly unfairly victimised? I was reading that on the way in. I was just kind of curious. He's definitely the most criticised player, I would say, <laughs> on the PGA Tour. Struggle to think of somebody more criticised. And you see, it's for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. He was accused of cheating and stealing yeah. in his collegiate career, something he denies, but he switched colleges and... There seems to have been a degree of smoke there. Then there are the allegations of cheating on the course. And he absolutely um, uh, did some wild stuff in a bunker at the Bahamas. And <laughs> there was another uh, drop he took more recently where he moved the ball before he should have moved the ball. And he put his fingers in the indentation to say, look, it's plugged as he's kind of pushing his fingers in there. And again, a little bit because it was read, it was really highlighted in a big way. And then there's stuff which is probably unfair. For instance, his family situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he won the Masters and he's a local kid his family were watching from home a few miles down the road they weren't there he's, he's estranged from his family and uh, his wife is very much a part of that situation as well and like families are messy so none of us know what's going on but he addresses that in the Sunday Times piece where he says uh, he says like his childhood was horrific and he won't speak about it and one of the reasons his family speak about it so much and talk about their relationship with him so much is that they know he won't speak about it so what's happened in his childhood I don't know. Can anybody really comment on why you're estranged from your parents if they're yeah. not directly involved? Probably not. But all, so all of that swirls. And even when he won the Masters, it should have been local boy done good. He got a lukewarm reception on the 18th. <laughs> so it's not any one thing with Reed. And then I'd say his general demeanour is probably not <laughs> Yeah, does he super bring it charming. on himself as well? Yeah, he's not super charming. Yeah. So, uh, Fair enough. <laughs> it's a cocktail. Yeah. But you know, he's suing the golf channel. I saw that. Brando like, Chambly for like a gazillion euro. Is that kind of laughable? <laughs> Yeah. Nobody wins. You know, that it seemed excessive. I think it's a nuisance case. Yeah. I think it's to cause Branwell Chambly 
sleepless nights, which it will. I mean, anybody who's been yeah. involved in any kind of legal situation, having any kind of case, whether it's a ludicrous sum of money or not, is going to cause uh, issue. And, and who knows uh, as to the extent to which live golf are saying, go on, put in the case. Let's just be as disruptive yeah. as we can. So there's a lot going on with um, Patrick Reed and a whole host of ways. But yeah, he took a shot at McElroy this afternoon and said the comments he makes are insulting. So um, we'll touch on that in a bit more detail on the uh, paper review. But like I said, he's seven under for his round through 14 today. He's 12 under overall. He's tied with the leaders, Patrick Reed, as we speak. But obviously um, they have uh, 18 holes to nudge ahead of him, which you suspect they will. But definitely a good score out there at Wentworth today. Yes, yeah, so we'll move on to the uh, women's golf then. And Leona Maguire has slipped out of contention heading into the final round of the Queen City Championship in Cincinnati in the USA. The Cavan woman shot a disappointing 73 last night. That leaves her on six under par and in a tie for 18th place. She's now 10 shots off the lead, which is currently being held by the American Ali Ewing. Stephanie Meadow is just a shot back from her compatriot as well. Both women are just getting their final rounds underway at around half past one. We'll keep you updated. Women's golf and OTB is an association with KPMG proudly supporting women in sport. There is football, needless to say, here at home. Yes, yeah, so Shamrock Rovers have the chance to extend their lead at the top of the SSE Artricity League Premier Division table. That will be four points if they get a win over Finn Harps tonight. Uh, kickoff at Tala Stadium is at seven o'clock. Sean Hoare uh, set to miss the game through injury. He came off early in that uh, Europa game with Jurgarden during the week. Okay. Graham Potter has been talking to the media. Yeah, he's actually put out an open letter to Brighton fans and he says they might find his decision to leave hard to accept. But the 47-year-old admitted he doesn't expect them to forgive his departure. Potter has moved to Stamford Bridge to take over from Thomas Tuchel, who was sacked on Wednesday. He doesn't expect Brighton fans to forgive his departure. Yeah, that's very honest, I would say. It's a bit OTT. Yeah. Going to Chelsea. Do you think you'd have gone in those circumstances? From Brighton to Chelsea? Just, like, it doesn't, unless they blow up considerably, which they don't look like doing, they look extremely good. Like, I just always kind of feel like, would you not have just finished... No. There'll be a chance for Chelsea again. Don't be so naive. He's 47 <laughs> years of age. <laughs> I know, but like... How long, much longer do you want him to hang around in Brighton for? It's a lovely town. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, well, no, no, I do. I understand, like, it is... And there's always, I suppose, that allure that I'll, I'll tame this, I'll sort this out, but... This is Harry Maguire-esque level of apology. I'm so sorry for leaving for this Champions League winning team. Yeah. Incidentally, he's getting paid... Somewhere between 60 and 70 million over five years, Graham Potter. It's an enormous uh, contract he's been given. Probably not getting paid something like 22 million, wasn't it? Yeah. 22, I think. Which for managerial compensation is off the charts. So I don't think he needs to write a letter. I think he's done okay by Brighton. fine, yeah. And in his letter he says, I don't expect you to ever forgive me. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's... So you Graham Potter goes back to Brighton. He deserves all the booing he's getting. No, I wouldn't say that. No, I think he's done a fantastic job. I think it's remarkable what he's done so slowly and yeah. consistently. And so no need for the letter. I, I think. think that's probably a bit... It, uh, that is over the top, but I do think I'd be more interested to see what he'd have done if he'd stayed till the season. Like, how, how high could you have brought them? The Brendan Rodgers letter to Celtic fans is the <laughs> one. <that laughs> yes. Really, we wish we could have read. So uh, there's horse racing as well. Yeah, so the Irish St. Ledger is the big race on day two of the Irish Champions Weekend meeting, this time at the Curra. Uh, Joseph O'Brien and Ger Lines will do battle as they're represented by Raisu and Kiprios, respectively, in this afternoon's Classic. That one goes to post at ten past four. It's one of four Group 1 races on the day. The first of the eight race card is just about underway. 
rugby then? Yes, yeah, so the Irish men's seven side have been beaten by New Zealand in their Rugby Sevens World Cup semi-final in South Africa this morning. Uh, Jack Kelly touched down just before the break before Andrew Smith scored from the second half kickoff to give Ireland a chance of reaching the decider. It was 10-10 right up until 90 seconds before the end before the Kiwi scored to leave it 17-10 in Cape Town and book their place in the decider. So Ireland will now take on the loser of Australia and Fiji. I think that match is on at the minute in the bronze medal match at 6.35. The women's side were beaten 24-0 by Fiji in their 5th to 8th place playoff. They'll now take on England in the 7th to 8th place playoff this evening. Okay, Formula 1 marches on. Uh, Charles Leclerc uh, will be hoping for a home Ferrari win in the Italian Grand Prix this afternoon. The Monegas driver heads the grid at Monza with Mercedes man George Russell starting from second and Lando Norris of McLaren in third. Defending champion Max Verstappen will go from seventh on the grid. He was one of nine drivers that was hit with grid penalties over the weekend. Lights out in Italy is at two o'clock. And then tennis US Open reaching its conclusion. Yes, yeah, so we can hear now from Casper Ruud, who hopes a humbling defeat in his first Grand Slam tennis final has prepared him well for tonight's US Open decider. He takes on Carlos Alcaraz for the title in New York, having been thrashed by another Spaniard, Rafa Nadal, at the French Open in June. But Rudd says he feels a lot is different now and his experience should help. Seeing the trophy on the back of the court and seeing uh, tons of celebrities and even in Roland Garros there was royal families there watching. So that was a little bit uh, new experience for me and uh, I, I hope I can be more ready for that on Sunday. Alcaraz himself, he'll attempt to become the youngest man to win a Grand Slam tennis title since 2005. He says the job isn't done yet though. It's close, but at the same time it's so far away, you know. It's a final of a Grand Slam, fighting for the number one in the world, something that I dreamed since I, I was a kid. And play is expected to start in New York there at around nine o'clock tonight. OK, very good. Aiden, thanks for that. Arthur, thanks for the time being.